0: to you by the Las Cruces Sun News. This is Straight Shooter. What is going on, everybody? This is Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jay the Sports Dude, and if you are listening right now, let me just say thank you for tuning in to Straight Shooter, the podcast where I shoot from the hip and give you everything that you need to know about the New Mexico State men's basketball team. This is episode 11 of our season-long journey, so if you're a returning listener, then welcome back. I missed you, and if you're new to the program, well, then welcome to the family. Where have you been all my life? Guys, we have a lot to talk about today, so sit back and relax because I got you i'm coming to you from a place that i like to call the saloon so bartender what do we have on tap for today on tap today is a recap of the grand canyon series an interview with marcus watson week five whack predictions and a preview of the Cal baptist series Alrighty, thank you bartender, I have my lasso in hand, and it's time for our post-game roundup, the segment where I round up my thoughts on the most recent New Mexico State game, and in this case, the Aggies lost both games to Grand Canyon this past Friday and Saturday by scores of 70-62. to 62 and 65 to 53. That actually marks the first time since 2012 that New Mexico state has been swept by a conference foe. That's when they lost both games against Nevada. So definitely not the ideal way to kick off whack play, and now I have my three takeaways from the weekend. So let's get into it. My first takeaway is that Wilfred Lakai is the real deal. Now one of my takeaways after the game against Western New Mexico last Monday was that the Redshirt Junior was making strides. He had a career high 20 points in that one which also marked his first start but it was against a division two team so you don't want to overreact to things but then he followed that up with a pair of good performances against Grand Canyon. Lakai averaged 11 points and three and a half rebounds per game in those two contests while shooting 57.1% from the floor and a respectable 33% from distance. He also had a total plus-minus of negative 6, which I know doesn't sound great, but it's actually pretty good considering the Aggies lost both games by a combined 20 points. Now, LaKai's plus-minus actually ranked second on the team, only behind Clayton Henry, and one thing Jans has really emphasized in the past few press conferences is that he needs some of these newer guys to earn his trust more. Pretty much all of them have shown glimpses, but he still needs to see that consistency on a game-to-game basis, and without a doubt, Lakai is the one who has shown that the most so far. I still believe Donnie Tillman will eventually reclaim his starting spot and send Lakai back to the second unit, but either way, out of everyone on the team, Lakai's stock is the one that rose the most this past weekend. And now my second takeaway from the weekend is that the Aggies have to push the tempo more. New Mexico State couldn't buy a bucket in the two games against Grand Canyon. In both contests combined, the Aggies shot 25 for 104 from the floor. That's 24% and 12 for 61 from deep, which is 19.7%. You're just not going to beat anybody with those kinds of shooting splits, plain and simple. And again, rust plays a factor. We know that, but one way I was really hoping New Mexico State would sort of mask that rust would be getting out in transition more the Aggies only recorded two fast break points this past weekend and there were just too many possessions where they were unable to penetrate Grand Canyon zone in the half court setting because of the Lopes' length and that led to bad shots at the end of the shot clock and you could tell that the team was gassed down the stretch of both games they were fresh off a two-week pause heading into this weekend so that's to be expected but shots clearly were not falling and the best way to get good opportunities is to apply pressure on defense first force turnovers, and score in transition. That's something New Mexico State did really well last season, and hopefully they'll get back to that as they get back into game shape, because with the way shots are falling right now, or I guess the way that they aren't falling right now, I like their chances in a fast break setting much more than in the half court one. Now my third and final takeaway is a hard one for a lot of Aggie fans to hear, but this show is called Straight Shooter for a reason. We tell it like it is, and it's in New Mexico State is not the best team in the whack right now. It's just not, and a big part of that is because of all the setbacks that the Aggies have faced. I get that, and I'm not going to tear into them after getting swept by Grand Canyon because it's tough to play your first game in a month and have it be against a team with the best record in the conference, on the road no less. But I'm also not going to ignore the fact that the Lopes aren't the only whack team that would have beaten the Aggies this past weekend with the way that they played. You look at the guys over at Utah Valley with Fardos Amok and Jamison Overton. UTRGV has been playing really well despite not even having Javon Levi at full strength. And then there's Cal Baptist, the Lancers are the highest scoring team in the WAC, so they have plenty of firepower as well, this is not a cakewalk conference, and New Mexico State is going to have to climb the ranks in order to get back to the top, which is fine, there's still time to do that before the WAC tournament in March, but time is dwindling, so we'll see how the Aggies respond to all of this adversity as the rest of conference play unfolds. Alrighty folks, that buzzer means it's time for segment number two, which is something I know a lot of you all have been waiting for. Marcus Watson gained eligibility this past Monday, meaning he's cleared the suit up for the Aggies. The 6'6 redshirt freshman is a former four-star recruit who transferred from Oklahoma State back in February of 2020, and now he's set to make an immediate impact for New Mexico State. I got to sit down with Marcus this week to talk about his eligibility, what he feels he brings to the table, and more. So let's go ahead and run that clip right now. Bartender, change the channel real quick. You got it, boss. Today, I am joined by one of the most talked about players for New Mexico State this season. He's a former four-star recruit and an Oklahoma State transfer who recently gained eligibility, so he's now set to suit up for the Aggies. Marcus Watson, welcome to the show, my man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you for joining. I see you got another, uh, an additional guest there, a surprise showing. Can you talk to people? <laughs> this is Gigi, my baby. She's uh, been with me for two years to shelter,
1: shelter dog. That's got you. Best yeah, dog in the on world.
0: starting off by saying, how's the Phoenix life treating you guys? But you've recently returned to Las Cruces. Just how much you enjoying being back in New Mexico? Oh, it's been great. You know, the
1: first thing I wanted to do was sleep in my own bed when I got back and I got the CGG when I got back um but just to get back into Pan Am to shoot and be able to work out in the early mornings and just be back in that uh, familiar surroundings has been great and I'm just loving to be back in Cruces.
0: Yeah definitely I kind of alluded to it a little bit in the intro but you recently gained eligibility this past Monday just how excited are you to be able to start not only your career with the Aggies but your college career in general because you didn't play without Oklahoma State.
1: I'm super excited you know I've been waiting to play for a long time uh Finally, just uh, be able to gain eligibility, I'm just just ready to suit up and see what uh guy's plan is and I'm ready just to be ready to play for the Aggies and Coach Christian.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, I know you've been practicing with the team all season, but obviously there's going to be a bit of a difference from being in like practice shape and game shape. You know, just where do you feel you're at right now in terms of your conditioning? Be ready to, Are you ready to go out there, I guess, and contribute some real minutes?
1: I feel like I'm really well conditioned right now. Um, but I know, you know, I haven't had a, been a chance to be in game shape yet, so I'll figure that out when I start playing on Friday. So
0: Yeah, you mentioned Friday. You guys got the upcoming series against Cal Baptist. It's a big one, especially since you're still looking for your first D1 win of the season, the team is. just How do you feel the team has responded to after getting swept by Grand Canyon? This is obviously going to be a big matchup. How do you feel they responded in practice?
1: I feel like we've really been stepping it up this week in practice. Uh, we really have been locked in and focused on <clears throat> this weekend ahead. And I feel like uh, after that sweep in the Grand Canyon, that, that, uh, that was a kick in our butt. So we was really just trying to, that was a kickstart for us to really lock in this season and prepare for them for the next time, prepare for the rest of our opponents or the rest of, for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. I'm sure, regardless of if the team is winning or not, you want to be out there. But I'd imagine it's even harder to see your team go through these struggles from the sideline. Just how much are you itching to get out there?
1: Um, i you know, I've been itching since October, February. Like you know, I mean October, not February, but I've been itching since October back in November. The month, so it was just, I don't know. It's fun time for the time to finally be here. It's just really like a blessing in itself. And I'm just ready. I'm eager to get out there and just can't wait to play.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now we talked to each other back in the summer. We looked over some of your highlights from your high school days. Broke down some film for those who maybe didn't see that episode, or it has been a while. Just what can people expect out of you now that are able to suit up? Uh
1: i expect uh we're gonna play really hard, play a lot of defense, play rebound the ball, push the ball, shoot the ball, uh, being, being a great team out on the court, just trying to permit, just trying to contribute in each other way, trying to be the best player I can be.
0: Yeah, definitely. And speaking of expecting things, I'm sure you guys already started the film process on Cal Baptist. What are you expecting out of that matchup?
1: Uh, they're a team that can really shoot the ball. Uh we're gonna have to play some. Close indeed. We we'll have to communicate on defense so we don't get lost on screens. We set a lot of back screens and just communicating and being able to stay uh, with our man and staying with the shooters. Because I think as a team they're shooting forty percent, so that's what we're really trying to focus on and making them drivers. And they have a really good skill big man that can uh, hit, score at all angles and run the floor. So we're just going to be uh, really locked in on them on defense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now it's going to be a technical home game for you guys, but obviously having to travel out to El Paso due to state restrictions here, it's going to be a bit of a weird situation having to travel for home games. But does the fact that you guys have already been living like in Phoenix and stuff like that, do you think that's going to make this transition a little bit easier? That it isn't necessarily new to you all? Yeah, I
1: mean the transition. I feel like I mean two hoops and a floor. That's all we really need to play basketball. So I mean they all have it. They all have the same thing. So I feel like the transition to be easy. You know, especially coming from Phoenix. Uh, the bubble life, having that uh, court right on the uh, campus of the hotel was really nice. So, I mean, just coming up from that, that would be an easy transition. So, I feel like us playing at Eastwood High School would be would pretty it'd be pretty comfortable for us.
0: Yeah. You guys just recently held your first practice at Eastwood, which is where the rest of the home games are going to be in El Paso. Just what did you think of the court, just the whole sit- setup there?
1: Oh, that's a really – Eastwood High School is really nice. It has really really nice, really good arena, and uh, I'm really excited to play in it. They have a window behind the goal and it's just you can see outside it's really nice but i'm pretty sure she'll be saying that night so you can't see anything but just really excited it's a nice court they have a big nice locker room it's they're making us feel at home they put our names on the scoreboard, so it's really really classy and really nice so i just can't wait to play out on it
0: nice marcus before i let you go i like to end these episodes uh, giving nickname ideas to the guy that I'm talking to, so if you don't mind, I got a couple here that I just want to bounce off your head. You tell me how you're feeling about them. How's that sound? <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to start off with something light here. Obviously, you're a very athletic player throwing down some electrifying dunks. Since your last name is Watson, how about Marcus High Wattage Watson? How are you feeling about that
1: one? <laughs> I haven't heard that one before, but I like it. I like it.
0: Okay, okay. Next one here. Uh, you're a very physical player, especially when you're driving towards the rim. And I know that you're from Beaufort, Georgia. So how about the Buford Bulldog? How you feeling about that?
1: And <laughs> hey, that's cool because you put Buford in the uh, Georgia Bulldogs.
0: That's kinda, I like that. One. I like that one. Yes, sir. So two for two so far? Yeah, two for two. All right. we got our last one here. Now you rocked the number 14. And you're a very strong player around the rim, not afraid to show off the big guns. So how about M14? How you feeling about that? Okay, yeah, that's the best one. That's the best one. That's the one. I say the best for last, man. (laughs) I like that one the best. There you go. M14. Marcus, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me, man. Best of luck at the start of your college career with New Mexico State, man. Looking forward to seeing you out there.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to interview me. Yeah, you take care, man. All right, you too.
0: Alrighty folks, so that was Marcus Watson talking about his eligibility, how the team has responded in practice this week, and more. Shout out to him as always for taking the time to talk to me. And it looks like we went three for three on nicknames this time. M14 was his favorite, and I think that was mine as well. But let me know which one you guys like the most in the comment section below. But now let's move on with the show. Alrighty, folks, so that buzzer means it's time for segment number three, which are my week five whack predictions. Last week I went 3-3 in my picks. Not my best work, I have to admit. I had Cal Baptist sweeping Dixie State and Utah Valley sweeping Tarleton State, but both of those ended up being splits. I then had New Mexico State splitting with Grand Canyon, and the Lopes ended up winning both of those games. So that puts me at 13-4 on the season. Still not terrible, and it's time to take a look at this week's matchups, of which we have three of them. Our first matchup is Seattle at Dixie State. The Redhawks Hawks haven't played a game since January 15th due to COVID-19 protocols for the team. They're 0-1 in whack play, and that duo of Riley Grigsby and Darion Trammell is still one of the best in the conference. They're combining for an average of 36.9 points per game this season, but one guy you might also want to keep an eye on is Aaron Nettles. The 6-foot senior shooting guard is averaging 8.9 points, And 2.4 assists per contest this season on pretty lackluster shooting splits, 33.3% from the floor and 28.6% from deep. But he really was on a roll before Seattle went on pause. Nettles was averaging 17.5 points per game on 50% shooting from the floor. And the Red Hawks' last two contests, and that boost in production is really big for a team that normally leans heavily on Grigsby and Trammell. Then there's Dixie State, the Trailblazers earned their first WAC victory on Saturday with a 79-75 win over Cal Baptist, forcing a split on that series and improving the one and five in WAC play. I mentioned heading into my series preview for that one that Frank Stain was a potential breakout player, and he did not disappoint this weekend. The six-foot-six sophomore averaged 15 and a half points and four and a half rebounds per game in the two contests and that really helped take a bit of the load off of Cameron Gooden and Hunter Schofield. Now the deciding factor in this one is going to be Dixie State's ability to fluster Seattle's offense. Whether it be three-point shooting, two-point shooting, or even offensive rebound, the Red Hawks really don't excel at any of that. They're a pretty middle-of-the-road offense when it comes to those things, but one thing they're excellent at doing is taking care of the basketball. They only turn the ball over on 15.5% of their possessions, which ranks 22nd in the country, so they make up for that lack of a high-powered offense by forcing their opponents to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves with making mistakes, but Dixie State is really good at forcing errors. In their win over Cal Baptist, the Trailblazers forced 23 turnovers and converted that into 26 points. We'll be in for some good basketball if Dixie State can repeat that kind of success for this weekend, and I'm predicting a split for the series. Now there are only two more matchups this week and because I previewed New Mexico States' games in their own segment at the end of the show, we're gonna move on to our series of the week which is Grand Canyon at UTRGV, the battle of the undefeateds in whack play. The Lopes are 6-0 against conference foes. Well, the Vaqueros are 2-0. At this point, you know who Grand Canyon's top player is. Abjorn Midgard continues to do great things. In my opinion, he is the whack player of the year if that were to end today. But the guy who really needs to get more shine on this team is jabon blackshear jr the 5 foot 11 sophomore is a stat sheet stuffer and that second game against New Mexico State really was a prime example. He recorded 11 points, 7 rebounds, again he's only 5 foot 11, and he added 5 assists as well. Now UTRGV's Javon Levi entered the season as really the undisputed top point guard in the conference, but he has been dealing with injuries all season, and as a result Blackshirt is really building his case as to why he might just be the best point guard in the conference. Now what's great about this is that we get to see these two floor generals duke it out this weekend. Levi is averaging 11 points, a team high five assists and a conference best three steals per game for the vaqueros this season he's a two time reigning WAC defensive player of the year and he has help on this squad the most reliable option has been sean ray a retro junior who's averaging a team high 15.3 points and 6.2 rebounds per game of 53.3 percent shooting from the floor i've talked about him a number of times on this show because he really is one of the top breakout players in the WAC this season the six foot eight forward is relentless around the rim and he's a constant source of energy for this team Now the deciding factor in this one is going to be UTRGV's ability to limit Grand Canyon's second chance opportunities. The Lopes boast an offensive rebound percentage of 31.9% which ranks 69th in the country. That's a big strength for this team and it goes hand in hand with a big weakness for the Vaqueros. Opponents boast an offensive rebound percentage of 32.5% against UTRGV and that ranks 312th in the nation. Now Ray is gonna be giving up a few inches against guys such as Midgard and Alessandro Lever down low, but look for Jeff O'Cherry to really lead the way on the glass. He's a 6 foot eleven forward who has been dealing with injuries all season, but he matches up well with Grand Canyon's front court. Similar to the New Mexico State series, the lopes are catching UTRGV at an ideal time. The Vaqueros haven't played a game since January 16th due to COVID-19 protocols, and I don't expect them to play their best basketball this weekend as a result. But at the end of the day, this is a good UTRGV team with a home court advantage, and I'm going to say that we will get a split in this series. So that's a look at the matchups going around the whack for week five, but there's one more on the docket. That's right, folks. New Mexico State is back at it with the two game series against Cal Baptist, which I'm going to preview in the upcoming segment. So without any further ado, let's jump into it. (laughs) Alrighty, folks, that buzzer means it's time for our fourth and final segment of the day, which is a preview of New Mexico State's two-game home series against Cal Baptist. Now, I have to emphasize that this is technically a home game for the Aggies, but it will not be played in Las Cruces or the state of New Mexico, for that matter due to restrictions in the land of enchantment. New Mexico State made an agreement to play the rest of its home games at Eastwood High School in El Paso, Texas, so that is the site for this weekend's contest. Also, the team just announced today, meaning Wednesday, the fans will not be allowed at any of the games moving forward in El Paso, which is something I know a lot of people have been asking me about. Unfortunate, I know, but let's go ahead and get into this preview. Now, the Aggies entered a matchup with an 0 2 whack record, and they're also still in search of their first Division I win of the season. The two players to keep an eye on have to be Jabari Rice and Clayton Henry as they continue to get back to full strength. Both of them had missed time with foot injuries, and they both made their return for the Grand Canyon series. Rice averaged 11.5 points and 3.5 rebounds per game in those two contests, although he also averaged 4 turnovers per game. That's pretty out of the ordinary for him, so we'll see if he can take better care of the basketball moving forward. Meanwhile, Henry averaged 6 points four and a half rebounds and one steal per game against the Lopes, a little bit of everything, but one thing he did not do too well was shooting from distance. He actually shot one for 10 from behind the arc, which also is out of the norm for the redshirt senior. He's normally one of the better 3 and D wing players in the WAC, so I do expect that percentage to rise as well. Then there's Cal Baptist. The Lancers are 8-5 on the season, 3-3 in WAC play, and they're averaging a conference-best 83.5 points per game. They actually split their series against Dixie State last weekend, though, which is a bit surprising. I expected them to get the sweep there, but shout-out to the Trailblazers for pulling that off. Anyways, Cal Baptist is led by Tyro Well, a 6'2 retro junior who's averaging team highs of 15.5 points and 5.6 assists per game, while shooting 40.2% from behind the arc. Over half of his attempts actually come from distance, so he leans on that three-point shot of his, and the same can be said of Reed Nottage. The 6'6 sophomore is averaging 15.2 points and 5.6 rebounds per game, while shooting a blistering 47.9% from behind the arc. The Lancers have some snipers on this squad, but they also have post presence, thanks to Gorjok Gak. The 6'11 Florida transfer is averaging 12.7 points and a team-high 10.8 rebounds per contest. He's almost exclusively a finisher down low, and I gotta say, he's not an ideal matchup for New Mexico State, considering the Aggies really struggled to guard Grand Canyon's abjord mid-guard last weekend. So let's get into my key to success for this one, and it's for New Mexico State to capitalize off turnovers. I know that sounds familiar because it was my key for the Aggies in their series against Grand Canyon, but it also applies here. Cal Baptist turns the ball over on 21.1% of its possessions, which ranks 272nd in the country. Take a look at last weekend's series for Cal Baptist. In the game where Dixie State lost, the Lancers turned the ball over 13 times and the Trailblazers only converted that into nine points. But in the game where Dixie State won, the Lancers turned the ball over 23 times and the Trailblazers converted that into 24 points. Capitalize in transition, especially with the way New Mexico State has been struggling in its half-court offense. Get the easy points to build some momentum. So that's a preview of the matchup, but now it's time for my predictions. So can I get a drum roll, please? So for this one, I have New Mexico State winning Game 1 by a score of 76-72, to and then Cal Baptist winning Game 2 by a score of 81-74. to This really is a gut-check series for the Aggies after coming off a sweep at the hands of Grand Canyon, and while I do expect them to get their first Division 1 win of the season this weekend, I think the Lancers' offense is too high-powered for them to not get at least one of these games, so give me the split in el paso but that is going to do it for episode 11 of straight shooter folks thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode please leave a like share it with the rest of aggie nation and consider subscribing or following depending on whatever platform you're listening to this on if you guys want to stay up to date with all things aggie hoops make sure to follow me on twitter at jay and subscribe to the las cruces sun news this has been justin martinez aka jay the sports dude and i'll see you guys next wednesday i'm out